All right, so we are fine. We are starting up a new podcast. This is uh, Ryan Spartan Ryan and uh, my boy Tim here. Uh, Luminati at Luminati on Twitter, and uh, we're going to talk some MSU sports. Uh, this is going to be mostly a basketball uh, po- uh, podcast, like for now, obviously with basketball season starting. But we're going to start out with a little bit of football. So I've got a couple things to say. Uh, there's Obviously, MSU football is kind of a dumpster fire right now, so uh, I've got some thoughts on that. And I, they're playing in a bowl game on the 27th against Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest lost three of their last four. I, I met, the line came out, MSU was favored by three. Uh, but the thing is that people want to talk about is, is D'Antonio going to do anything with his coaching staff? Uh, and I wish he would have fired people after the season because I feel like they really needed to make moves ASAP so they could get – because all the other teams like that made bowls are still firing coaches, um, and he hasn't – he's refused to do so, so thus far. He was saying that he was going to wait until after the bowl game to make decisions and evaluate everything. I think that at least four coaches should go. I, I would say that uh, – Paul Haynes, I, I I think he should go the secondary coach. Um, he's secondary seems like they've taken a little bit of a step back since Harlan Barnett's left. Um, and uh, Mark Staten and Jim Bowman both have to go. Jim Bowman has I, this was his first year with the offensive line, and they looked about as bad as they did last year. Um, Mark Staden was coaching the offensive line before. They looked terrible then. Uh, the tight ends looked bad this year. He was coaching them, and uh, I you got to I think you got to move on from Dave Warner too. Uh, I know I know he had a good history so, somewhat as a quarterbacks coach, but the experience with experiment, ah, experiment with him as not as the offensive coordinator went really bad, and Wilberky uh, and the quarterbacks just didn't look good this year. So I, I would like to see him fire at least four coaches. Um, I'm not sure he's going to, though. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure he's going to fire anybody. Uh, and if he doesn't, I, 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 want, I don't want him back. Because at this point, you're just letting him burn down what he built. I, like, I'm thankful. Like I'll, I'll, More than anything, I'll – put money in for a statue to build for him. But if you're not going to make any changes at this point, you don't get the right to burn everything down that you, that you made. Uh, yeah, he's definitely probably the best MSU football coach of all time, considering the area that he coached in. But you can't burn down what you built, and he's got to make some changes. I'm not sure he will be able to. So that's my thoughts on football right now. Not looking good. you got to fire people. You don't really have a choice. No more moving coaches around. Just fire people, bring some outside guys in. I have, I, I would say you can keep Salem around as the offensive coordinator. I thought the play calling this year was a lot better than it was last year. It's more creative. Um, but at this point, you got to – and the recruiting has been bad. you got to bring in some guys who can recruit and bring in some outside guys with no ties even. I, I know he likes to bring in guys that he's got ties with, but at this point, you, you got to go outside the bubble. So, but hopefully – they can turn things around, but I wouldn't bet on it. I so that's my thoughts on football. It's a dumpster fire. All right, so let's get into the Duke basketball, the basketball game against Duke from last week. So I know Tim's got some stuff he wants to say. Uh, well, we're gonna pull up Duke here on the Ken Palm. Um, first things first, we're gonna be looking at a lot of Ken Palm related stats and Ken Palm. It's pretty universally accepted in college basketball as a reliable source of analytics. Uh, in this case, it's not before the new calendar year. So a lot of these um, stats have an adjusted uh, sort of variance for previous season's success. So, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Duke currently – Number three on Ken Palm in the country. Uh, number four adjusted defense, and I think we saw it. They 
you know, they gave us tons of problems. They were all over us. And I sort of thought that might happen. You know, Michigan State's not a great, you know, not the safest with the ball team. And Duke was all over them, handsy, um, and quite frankly played what I would estimate as the best game of the season for the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, they're a good basketball team. Vernon Carey at the college level. Uh, the dog just ran in. Um, Vernon Carey at the college level, he's clearly a man. Um, and it hurts. It hurts to see. Uh, yeah. The dog is very quiet. <laughs> Hurts to see Vernon Carey coming to East Lansing, especially when Duke never comes to East Lansing, and they're always, you know, criticized for not going on the road, and they just, well, they kind of silenced that debate. Um, and he really looked like he was a man on a mission there. Trey Jones is getting better at shooting, but the dude probably had one of his best shooting nights. Um, outplayed Cassius for sure. And, you know, so they're one-on-one, those two, head-to-head, I would say. Not only in terms of the actual team, but just outplaying the other. Um, when Trey Jones outplayed Cash, they won, and vice versa. So, you know, they lost to a good team. But I think the thing, Ryan, that bothered a lot of people, not just because it was home, not just because they want to see the preseason number one team play like it, it's – the way that Duke sort of took care of Michigan State, it was pretty much an ass whooping. Yeah, it wasn't. That it, it was the end of the game. It was a twelve point margin, but it was not that close, uh, especially in the, when you get later in the second half. I mean, MSU went on that little run; they cut it to eight points, and then Duke just poured it on. It got up past twenty. Uh, Duke, it, Duke is a very good team, uh, but at the same time, you. Like with Draymond Green getting his jersey retired that night, probably one of the most hyped crowds I've been to. Like going into a game and then just to get disappointed like that was really, really sad to watch. And but, you were so people are clear you were there, Ryan. I was at the game. And how was the scene with five minutes to go inside Breslin? Everybody was leaving. It was it was sad. Like my 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 roommate left probably with six minutes to go. And there was – I stayed till the end, and it was it was just – there were people walking out five minutes to go. And I, I, I expected MSU to win that game. Uh, you know, I, I feel like maybe at the end of the year, MSU will probably be a better team than Duke. But – Right now? No. Right now, not question. even close. I not. mean, it's possible that if they were to go into Cameron Indoor next week, they would play better. I don't think that they could beat Duke right now. Michigan State hasn't given us any reason to think that, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but we're going to get into, you know, some of the things that might be looking upward instead of, you know, this gloomy sort of atmosphere. So, again, the Duke game, everyone who watched it, it was tough. You know, it's non-conference. It would have been good to have gotten that on their um, resume, of course. If we're talking about a goal to be a number one seed, which of course would be Michigan State's goal, it's not looking great, I would say. Um, you know, we were hoping to get wins against Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas, and we've 0-2 and messed up that Kansas opportunity. Um, but – you know, the Duke game, I don't know what else we could say about it. It's Michigan State at their worst. I think the worst game they'll probably play all season. If they play another game worse than that, well, that's going to be a sad day for Spartan Nation. I think that the Virginia Tech and Duke games are probably the worst games you'll see MSU play all year. And that, that Virginia Tech loss, I don't think it's going to wind up looking good at the end of the year. I think Virginia Tech is they, – they haven't won a game, I think, since the, since the MSU win. That could be correct. We could actually look it up right now. It's – yeah, that's correct. They are 0-3 since. Keep in mind, two of the three are Duke and Dayton. So, um, you know, but they did lose to BYU. Uh, 
I'll say this. MSU didn't really deserve to beat Virginia Tech. They certainly didn't deserve to beat Duke. Um, they're not playing great basketball. It's extremely easy to see. They're not fluid. Um, a thing that I always look for is their their fast break when they're you know specifically outnumbering the defense. Let's say two v one, three v two. Last year's team would make easy work of that. It would end in a dunk. This year they're unsure of themselves. A lot of that's Rocket Watts. We'll get into him. Um, he's not in right now. Cassius Winston hasn't been as sharp as last season. I mean, the numbers point to that. It's undeniable. I think all fans probably agree. And <laughs> I don't even know if it merits mentioning the situation that he's going through because, you know, sports are so trivial when it comes to something of this nature. Um we expect them to be these guys that go out and play like they're supposed to play, and they're human beings, and he's going through something that you couldn't possibly go through anything harder, I would imagine. So if this is a hangover for Cassius Winston the entire season, it wouldn't be surprising to anybody. And, you know, for the team, success – it really doesn't matter when it comes to this sort of context. So we'll move past that. It's something that can't be um, overlooked. You know, the situation with the team and the death of his brother, um, it's a gloomy cloud. And I can't imagine losing games helps. What do you think? I mean, no, no. All the fans on Twitter, it's probably a nightmare. Um, so... You want to move past Duke? Yeah, let's move on to Rutgers. Rutgers. Now, this is a win, contrary to <laughs> a win in Breslin. Um, Ryan, he's uh, seen the highlights and he's seen the post game. Um, I'll take the lead on this game. Didn't – they were streaky. Michigan State looked like they could have sort of run away with the game early. And then – Foster Lawyer comes in and Rutgers goes on like a 9-0 run. Um, is that all his fault? No. But I have a stat for you, Ryan. I think you might like this. Every scholarship player on the team, except Thomas Kithier, has shot more threes than Foster Lawyer. Wow. Now, Foster Lawyer is, well, let's be honest. He's sort of a small, less athletic white kid. <laughs> I mean, being a white person, I get the authority to say that. <laughs> um, and those aren't the reasons that Michigan State, with Tom Izzo, recruited him. What do you think the reason is? Because his shooting. He was he was an he was one of the best shooters I've ever seen at a, at, a, at a high school. Statistically, the best in Michigan high school history. And there's been some players coming out of Michigan. Okay, um, he's not shooting threes. Why is he on the team? Why is he playing if he's not shooting threes? Because that's what he's supposed to do. And you could say he's not getting separation. Um, you could say that's not the set they're running. He's passing them up. We've seen it. And confident shooters, they don't pass up open shots. That's that's where they live. That's where they make their money. Watching Foster, I've been I, – I, you knew that he came in and he's not the most athletic guy, but you're hoping he's a guy at least for his first couple of years he can come off the bench and give you a spark offensively. And if he can't do that, then – like you said, what is he? What is he doing? What, he, what does he have a purpose? Because even Jack Horbert, when he came in and played for the Kentucky game, he, defensively he was great on that one possession. He I mean, honestly, in that little blip, which is kind of unfair to compare, yes. looked better. But Rocket, sorry, not Rocket, Foster Lawyer, um, he's got to attempt three pointers. I mean, let's. Let's not get into the making part until we're taken. Yeah. Um, the kids got to let them fly, and that's just all there is to it. Otherwise, I don't, you know, 
he doesn't add a lot. In fact, he is a a weak link if we're being fair to him. Yep. Um, let's go into a couple of the stats of this Rutgers game. Coming into the game, a uh, kid out of Detroit by the name of Rocket Watts had been primarily starting at the two guard. Um, last night, they inserted Gabe Brown in his place because Rocket is injured for the moment. We don't know exactly how long that's going to last, but for the moment, you're going to probably expect Gabe Brown to be in the starting uh, lineup. Now, coming into this game, every game up until this, Ryan, who's playing better basketball, Gabe Brown or, or Rocket? Gabe Ball? Brown, and it's not even close. Now, they don't exactly play the same position, and in fact, I think – uh, Gabe played the three, mm-hmm. and um, Aaron Henry replaced Rocket in the two guard. But um, so you know, you could argue apples and oranges. But one has a year under his belt. One is certainly shooting better. Maybe just is a better shooter in general. Um, one can take it to the rim and li- literally dunk on somebody. Um, one looks like maybe the most confident guy in the team for the moment. None of those are attributed to Rocket Watts. Those are all Gabe Brown. I think it was kind of confusing to me why Rocket was even still starting, and that's not any disrespect to him. Um, he's a freshman coming in on team preseason number one, first games in Madison Square Garden against Kentucky. I mean, this is an 18-year-old kid. It All eyes are on him. I get it. You know, I was an NCAA athlete. The moment you step onto the the bigger stage, it's daunting. Um, and I just don't think that he's playing that well. And, you know, that's quite a general blanket statement. He's doing okay on defense. Why would you start a freshman who's not playing well? You know, that's my question. I, I, I think Gabe Brown should be in the starting five, even when Rocket Watts comes back. I, Gabe Brown has – Last year he came on later in the year, especially in the tournament, and uh, he's proven – his shot selection sometimes, very questionable. But he, he's proven that he can make shots. I mean, you could say the same thing about Rocket, though. His, his, uh, his shot selection, not great, but he's not making his, his shots right now. And right now you really need you really need shooting, and yeah, it's because they've been struggling shooting the basketball. So – we're going on a bit of a tangent here. We're still talking about Rutgers here. We have Gabe in the starting lineup. Now, coming into the game, Rocket Watts, uh, he's shooting something like 20, 20% from three. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, but Gabe Brown, yeah, no, so Rocket Watts, let's see, three points, 20%. Okay, that's one-fifth of the tries. Gabe Brown is shooting 39% from three over the season. Um, That's something they desperately need, right? Mm -hmm. When Gabe comes in, he hasn't been lights out, but he's hit threes. And the box score doesn't lie. You know, he gets the start 14 points. They get the win, 1-0 and in Big Ten play. Um, something that really, really sticks out to me, and this is incredibly important, guys. Gabe Brown, 8-for-8 eight eight on the free throw line. He's a great free throw shooter. He's getting to the line. You know why? Because he's confident. He's attacking. He's trying to dunk on people. Somehow missing sometimes. Um <laughs> Look at me. I can barely get rim. But, uh, you know, he's attacking. And that's the, you know, most cliche statement in all of sports. But it's the truth. Um, Rocket's a little sort of hesitant. And Gabe attacks, gets eight. I mean, he was going in for, he was flying in for rebounds. He was flying in for dunks. He goes 100% from the line shooting eight free throws. I mean, that's. They win by the game. They won by 12. He's got eight free, eight of those points on the free throw line. Um, another big stat that's pointed out right there. How about you tell them, Ryan? 
Aaron Henry shot seven of eight from the line. Uh, he's been struggling shooting. I, I wouldn't say he's been struggling with Rocket Watts, but he hasn't lived up to people's expectations probably coming into the season so far. But they, the the fact that he scored he scored twelve and he was getting to the line and obviously drawing fouls is big because that's what he does. He's he's great at attacking the rim. He slashes. And him getting into the paint, finishing around the rim, there's not a lot of people in the country, when he gets down there, that can stop him. I mean, it's really that simple. He's a future NBA player. Um, He's the most obvious pro on the team. And it doesn't get any simpler than Aaron Henry has to be a star for Michigan State basketball if they want to achieve what we all hoped they would achieve. There's nothing like sugarcoating about that one. If we want to be a good basketball team, um, Aaron Henry has to uh, be a star. And he's a star by getting to the rim. You know, he's not a lights-out three-point shooter. Now, that being said, Aaron Henry didn't have a great night last night, shot 20%. Three-points shooting, he's shooting 38%. It's not bad. That's pretty much right above the curve of what you would consider a shooter. You know, you want to be close to 40 to be dangerous. Um, Didn't have the best night, but against Duke, Ryan, I mean, we kind of glossed over it. He was invisible. He was a ghost. Had two points. I don't think he scored. He didn't score? I don't think he scored. It was was like, where's Aaron Henry? Is he on the team? Um, And at least he's taking – Attempts, possessions, you know, like this guy's got to be one of the focal points of the offense. Now, that being said, because um, we are kind of praising him here, he got to the line eight, uh, sorry, for eight free throw attempts, made seven of eight, pretty good between him and Gabe. That's 15 points, only missing one. That's a pretty good percentage. Um, Aaron Henry is the best defensive player on the team. Uh, a lot of people like to talk about. X and you know you could make that argument because he is also a very good defensive player. Um, Geo Baker, the star of Rutgers basketball, plays twenty nine minutes, gets four points. <coughs> so. <coughs> Aaron Henry was on him that whole time. <coughs> you right there? You need some water? We're good. Okay. <coughs> Sorry about that, guys. Co-host. <laughs> He's struggling. So, Aaron Henry, you've seen him. The problem is he's been um, having you know foul trouble. He's been in the doghouse with Izzo. Um if he's not on the court, he can't defend their their best player, right? Right. Pretty simple. Aaron Henry needs to be out there. Played 36 minutes last night. They got the win. The guy he was guarding, their star, non-factor. And you know what? That's the difference right there. Aaron Henry coming to attack, 12 points. Even He missed, like, all his threes. He made one. But, you know, if he gets even one more, you know. It's a great night. You know. Then it's a great night. Um, Locked him down. Aaron Henry, zero turnovers. He had been having an issue with that. Um, Team actually did fairly well aside from Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston, which I think we all saw Cassius. uh, He was kind of, you know, they were pushing the ball really hard, overthrowing players running to the rim. I don't have a humongous issue with that, and it looks ugly sometimes, but that's their offense. You know, how many times have they done that and it resulted in a dunk? All the time. Easy points that are in the, you know, statistical long run, the difference in wins. I And uh, it's nice because in the Duke game, I remember the entire time Cash Winston gets the ball and they double him. So you obviously need another guy to step up like 
Aaron Henry can, you know, Xavier Tillman, you can get Gabe Brown going off shooting threes. But you can't just rely on Cassius as much as they've tried to rely on him. I, I think this is a good sign because you have got you have a guy like Gabe Brown who, you know, get, hits eight free throws. You got Aaron Henry get shoot, making seven. You know, you've got it, it, they, they need help. Cassius Winston is the guy, obviously, but he can't do it all by himself. Like I remember last year there were games where they were just relying on him so much. And you can do that, but you can't do it every game. But, and it would be great if we could get Roger Watts to be able to spell Cassius and have him play at the point because obviously right now Foster Lawyer is not looking like that guy. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that, and they might be right. Um you know, they really want Rocket to play the two, clearly, because they think he's a natural two, which he is. He's a pretty good defender, but he makes freshman mistakes all the time. And he hasn't quite figured it out yet. And I think they – it's kind of cliche, people say this, but sitting on the bench, getting to watch, sort of studying the game from an outside um, point of view – they always say that that helps athletes um, maybe understand. You get to see the mistakes that you're making play out in live action. You know, it's hard to say. And we don't even know how long this injury is going to last, which is sort of frustrating. But we got to hope that it's not a big deal like they've mentioned. Um, a guy that we need to talk about, and we were sitting here – Discussing this before we started recording, um, Marcus Bingham. Where do we start with Marcus Bingham, Ryan? He's a guy who has all the potential in the world. When he's played, I think he's been really effective, especially offensively. But there's times where Izzo kind of seems like it auto benches him if he makes a mistake defensively and. There's been games where he started. He start. He did uh, start the, the Rutgers game, but he was the one guy who it seemed like was effective in the Duke game down low, or even having a guy, you know, shoot. He he hit a couple threes if I remember right. So he's a guy who can stretch the floor, um, and I feel like he should probably be getting more minutes. And I think Izzo shouldn't have as as long. He should have a longer leash with him. So. You bring up he he matched up well against Duke because Duke has a bunch of five star guys, freaks, you know, big guys, size. Well, Marcus Bingham is one of those. Um, and you mentioned that he made a couple threes. That is correct. He made two. One, I think we have to mention was, was a bank, <laughs> and I don't believe he called it. Nope. <laughs> That was a brick, if you ask me. Went on the scoreboard, though. Um, there's no getting around this. And I've seen Marcus play, you know, money ball. We all know he can shoot. That's why they're letting him. But the, the numbers suggest that might not be a good idea. We're looking right here, Marcus Bingham shooting – 20% from three. Um, that's not good. It's not, you know, let's take the previous experience out of it. If he was just a guy that was shooting 20%, he would probably never get to shoot three-pointers. But he's letting them fly. Um, I trust the coaching staff. They know what they're doing. Clearly, if this has gone on like this, they see the numbers. I'm not some sort of genius finding this that no one else has found. Um, they'll tell him to stop, and it'll be that simple. You know, they're they know what they're doing. Uh, but clearly, he must be hitting them in practice, right? I mean, that's the only thing that I could imagine that would make any sense here. When he when he came into MSU, obviously he was viewed as a guy who could stretch the floor. A bigger dude that could stretch the floor, like a lot. Of, a lot of people compared him to somebody like Adrian Payne, I think. But he was obviously he's he doesn't have a lot of weight on him. 
So I, th- I think that that's one reason. I think that's one reason that uh, Marcus hasn't played as much. I think it's his conditioning isn't as great uh, as where Izzo wants it to be. I think that uh, he's he's also a smaller guy, like I said. So it's hard. So it's harder for him to go up against somebody like Vernon Carey, who's just a beast of a man now. Yeah, and so you know we're gonna. We're going to monitor that situation. Um, Tom Izzo said in his post game that the four is still a question. They're clearly still trying to figure out who's the best fit at the four. Um, for now, Bingham is starting. Malik Hall is playing 46% of the minutes at the four. Over the past five games, I should note. Um, 46% of the minutes at the four, though. Malik Hall, that's leading the team. I think that if you take Malik's um, rebounding percentage, this is what stands out to me. Uh, where is it here? So 7.1% offensive rebounding percentage, 19% defensive rebounding percentage. Um, for the f- guys at the four, you know, Marcus Bingham has a significant – Sorry, significantly less minutes at four. Um, his rating is sky high. Um, we've talked about him, but you know, I would say it's a lot of people have already said this, made this comparison. He is the player that sort of fills Kenny's void the best, in my opinion. He's very similar. If he can hit the three, which we've seen him do, but you know. Not as much since the Seton Hall game. Uh, if he can do that, you know, he's big. He's strong. He reba- he rebounds. He, you know, dunks on people. It's pretty fun to watch him play. Marcus, we're going to have to, like, see, you know, that position still up for grabs. I mean, there's all the, that's all there is to it. Um, and then <laughs> staying on the four, there's – a player that he's kind of fallen into the back, you know, sort of forgetting about him. I don't know if you guys know who I'm talking about. But he recently he recently got his mask off. So, <laughs> uh, and he was vocal. He said it, I think, more than once that the mask was bothering him. And I've never had to wear one. I could imagine it being weird. Kithir isn't a freak athlete. He has finesse. And if you tweak that finesse, that coordination, you know, he's out of sorts. Does that, you know, you see what I'm saying? Um, And I think he finished better. I think his hands looked better in the game against uh, Rutgers. Let's see what his performance was like. Um. Thomas Kithier, only three points. Well, that's all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Six points, three for four from the floor. Um, no turnovers. Got a block, a couple rebounds. You know, that's what you're supposed to do, I suppose. Um, <laughs> we sit here and we have no answer. Well, the, the coaches have no answer, right? You know, they don't know what to do. I would say if Marcus Bingham is hitting his threes, he's the the answer. But since that's not the case, I would, you know, I would select Malik Hall as the power forward for the the lion's share of the minutes there. Um, so. You know, coming, you know, soon in the schedule, we've got Oakland Saturday at noon. Um, Oakland's not really that good this year. They've given MSU trouble in the past. This is the game they play on the Pistons court now, which is LCA. Every other year that Oakland hosts it, so they're technically the home team. 
Like that they went they Oakland was the home team in twenty seventeen the game at LCA and then they came to Breslin last year. Oh I'm I apologize, I got that totally wrong. Okay. This one is at LCA though. Yes, correct. Um yeah, of course. And we all remember um <laughs> when number one MSU was on the ropes without Denzel Valentine and a little NBA guard. Um, Kay Felder. Kay Felder, you know, gave us a scare, <laughs> to say the least. Oakland always plays MSU tough. So, uh, this Oakland team just isn't that good. This is just a game MSU should probably run away with. Ken Palm has MSU winning by 17. So, pretty yeah. 94% chance of a, a win. And – I mean, let's be honest. This is Detroit. It's not like it's, it's not like it's an open hole. Yeah, it's not. You know, sort of maybe, but there's Michigan State fans in Detroit, to say the least. Um, and you know, doesn't even matter if there weren't. Um, so, I mean, there's no sugarcoating. Again, to use that. If they were to lose that game, it would be nothing short of a nightmare. Oh, this, at, at that point, I think you got to worry a little bit. You're losing that game like that. Oh, you, you definitely, you definitely got to be worried at that point. If this is even a game, um, I think it will just be indicative of how they're playing. Probably, right probably now. how the, maybe what this team is, ceiling yeah. is. Yeah, I just truly do not see that happening. Let's take a look at Oakland. Um, they're 190 in offensive adjusted efficiency and 160, if I should say, in the country and, um, in adjusted, uh, efficiency for defense. So considering the fact that they're not top 100 nor top 50, you know, that's not like a game that should give a team even... With the struggles that MSU is having, um, any problem? Uh, this this is definitely a game they should win by a lot. They should pound Oakland, and that's all there is to it. We don't have to even talk about it any further. Um, Northwestern. This is an away game. This is a Big Ten game. Away game. Make <laughs> yeah. quotations because MSU usually brings a really big crowd to a game at Northwestern. So it's this is the only. I, True road game they have until they uh, they play at Purdue in mid January. So this is this is a big this, this upcoming schedule is big. Uh, these next eight games or so will be very telling, I think, to me as to how good te- this team can possibly be. Well, telling, I would say, I know what you mean, but I wouldn't say that's a good choice of words. It will be. Um, I don't know. Uh, it'll just be – we want to see progression, right? And, yeah, I guess it would be telling if they did Especially if they I – I, I've said this a couple times uh, on Twitter. you got to go at least 7-1 in these next eight. So you've got Oakland should be a win, obviously. Nor, at Northwestern, Northwestern's pretty not, bad. They're not good this year. Uh, uh, might be the worst team in the Big Ten. Not named. We'll Nebraska. touch on that. Keep going. We'll touch on Northland. Uh, Eastern Michigan win. Uh, not a supposed to be a pretty bad MAC team this year. What Western? They're even worse in Ken Palm than Eastern. Should Both in Breslin. Both at Breslin. Illinois. Th- see, this is the game where I think they can give MSU trouble because they run that defense. It's kind of gimmicky. They give MSU trouble because. It's like if you've ever played Pokemon, MSU is the fire Pokemon and Illinois is the water Pokemon. And their style is specifically good against MSU's style of play. And if MSU plays sharp, they'll just pretty much pound them. Like they, like they did in that game two years ago at Illinois. And if they don't play sharp, it's going to be like a snowball. They'll start to get these, you know, the steals and the passing lanes, and it'll just kind of weigh on the crowd. And, you know, we remember the, like, 26 turnover or whatever it was. I mean, they, you know, 
specifically are good against MSU style, but it's kind of a haymaker. Like they swing and hit, but they're swinging for the fences. You know what I mean? If they they bite too hard, MSU tears them apart in transition. It's kind of a flip of the coin on that one. I think because it'll be in Breslin that Illinois just, you know, it's a road game. It's a game where they kind of falter under pressure, I think. And too. yeah, if this were over there in Champaign, I would be worried 100,000%. Um, and it's still going to be, you know, a, a little bit. It's going yeah. to be much more of a test. Oh, uh, they're going to, if they don't, if they turn the ball over less than 15 times against Illinois, and, you know, we'll talk about that. Should win by 10 plus. Um, that's it. But, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't put money on it. Let's no. say that it would be a stay away from me. Yeah. Um, and then the eighth one you were talking about, the eighth game of that slate is what? The Michigan game. Uh, this is a game. It's at home, so this is a game I was going to be favored in. Uh, Michigan has been much better than most people thought they would be at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think. I think some people were. It was more of a thing of they, they've got a new coach. So you can't really give them the benefit of the doubt, but they've been really they've been really good. Uh, so that's going to be a really tough game at home. And uh, yeah, you got to win. I think I think Minnesota was involved in that stretch too. Oh, uh, that's a home game. Yeah, that's a home game that you should win. So we we can talk about those when they get closer. I will have a mouthful to say <laughs> about that team down the road, but um, that's. As far as I'm concerned, and I'm really not saying this because it suits our position, that is a lifetime away yeah. in basketball years. But this is, I think, this is a stretch where you got to go at least seven and one, um, at least. And you've already got one. When, when, when you say gotta, you mean to achieve yes their goals. Yes, they don't have to do anything other than make the tournament to win a national championship. However. That's a very supposing sort of uh, strategy, if you will. Um, okay, so we're going to touch on Northwestern because it's, you know, I think it's, you can't overlook starting 2-0 in the Big Ten. You know, when I played college soccer, albeit Division three, league games – I mean, we truly, and I promise you, they do the same thing at Michigan State and every other school. League games, it's like a brand new season. You could be playing so bad. But, you know, my freshman year, we were very, we were in a very similar position as uh, Michigan State. Highly rated preseason and then really kind of blowing it. We started out 3-0 in our conference play, and it just changed our season, flipped it on its head, you know, because it's, it's like you get to start anew. Um, so I think, you know, going to, no taking care of Northwestern, which is <laughs> a game that they shouldn't be losing. I know it's on the road, but we, you know, we've seen Michigan state beat Seton hall on the road. All right. Uh, there's Michigan state should be superior in every position Maybe give or take one. So starting out 2-0, going into the new year, literally, um, this is could be a turning point for the team. And we've seen it time and time again. It's not always that important to be playing your best basketball in November and December. And I'm not just talking about Michigan State basketball. I'm talking about any basketball team. Um, so... You know, that game is over a week away. It's the 18th. Um, we'll probably get more into that. We'll probably preview that one um, just for the fun of it, uh, because the reality is, it doesn't matter what <laughs> what the players' names are or what their percentages are. Michigan State should beat Northwestern um, in the state that they are, which is. Not a tournament team, lost pieces. Um, a preseason number one team should be dispatching quite easily of them. So 
Um, that's our upcoming uh, schedule. Now, on the general state of the team, Ryan, we could touch on this really quickly. I have a kind of a – I'm going to shoot off a bunch of facts. Um, sorry. Cassius Winston. Um, last season, he was 29.4% of the possessions used. Um, this season, 29.1%. Now, that's pretty comparable, right? And, again, we're kind of talking about they were successful last year. You want to copy that as much as possible, right? That's just – you don't even have to know anything about basketball. That's just simple logic. Um, that's comparable. They want the ball in his hands. He's a star, okay? Last season, shot 50% from the floor, two-pointers. This season, 45%, okay? With the amount of shots he takes, that's a bucket here and there, you know. It's a little bit of a dip. It's not like, whoa, but it's a little bit of a dip. And then three-pointers, 40% in 2019, which is like, wow, he was a stud last season. But um, And I'm sort of uh, rounding these just so you guys get the point. It's not exactly these. Um, 40% from three last season, 37 this season so far. That's a dip. Not a lot, <laughs> given the situation that he's in. Pretty understandable. If anything, yeah. um, that he's even playing is kind of wild to me. Um, but I think it's probably therapeutic to him and whatever works for him, you know. Uh, another. Stat, Rocket Watts has one-fifth of their possessions used. And again, these are like rounding to the nearest. They're quite near, though. Trust me. They're not like far off. Um, one-fifth of the possessions used, he's converting one-fifth of the time. Uh, you don't have to even be good at math. That's like – I mean – so small of a fraction of the ball that he's getting is being put to use. According to the numbers so far, and I don't want to, you know, knock on Rocket, but he's a freshman, you know. I don't think that anybody questions that he's going to be a star sometime in the future somewhere in basketball, even if it's not MSU for whatever reason, you know. Um, Rocket Watts just isn't playing very well right now and you can't start a guy who's a freshman lack of experience playing very poorly right not the best team in the country no um, another stat last season in the tournament the two and three guard combo that was second most common to the far most common, McQuaid and Henry, was Brown and Henry. So Gabe and Aaron, um, which is what, you know, I see as the two, three guard starters for the foreseeable future. I mean, I could be wrong, but I would be so shocked if um, Rocket Watts gets back off of injury and takes over the starting spot from Gabe. Right? I mean, what do you think? I, I just – I don't – I would be surprised. I, I, I think Gabe Brown has just been playing much better. And he he's just, he means he's got one more year of Newsville. That also helps. I, I think Rocket will get a shooting going at some point, but just right now he's he – right now I just don't think he can start him over Gabe. Um, okay. Another. Before last night, Rutgers game – the starting lineup average, their three-point average amongst the starters. Sorry, that's including Rocket Watts. Um, it was 28.5%. Okay, that's from three. With Gabe inserted, it's 33%. That's 
notable when it comes to this context of analytics. You know, even a percent or two in three-point percent is notable because over 30 games, you get an incremental, you know, increase in, you know, points and could translate the wins. I mean, it all adds up, and um, that's so notable, you know, just by taking one guy out and putting one guy in, they're now shooting 33%. And fun fact, they shot 33% from three last night against Rutgers. Now, you didn't get to see the game live. Correct. And you saw all the highlights, though. Yes. Um, I'll tell you, just, you know, highlights, they lose the sort of feel of timing, you know, the runs and the emotions. You don't get to feel, like, the tense – you know, tension. Um, it felt like we could just never hit the three to put them away. And that, you know the feeling. Oh, yeah. It sucks, and you're just like, come on. Wide open three. You're practicing this all day long. Could bury them. But, of course, miss the three. They come down, get an and one or something, and now we're back on. It's just so infuriating from a fan standpoint. And it's so, you know, we're downplaying it is not that simple. It's a battle out there. You know, it's chess between the two coaches running plays and defenses. Um, we minimalize, you know, what's it's really sort of down to the bare understanding that we're talking about it. But um, if you could, you know, increase the three-point shooting on this team, let's look at our, our losses here. Kentucky. I mean, we lost by seven. At the cold. end, it was cold. at the end when they're falling, you know they're one basket away. I think they're within two in like the last minute. And then Maxie hit that. Crazy Imagine three. just over an average from a mathematical standard, you're getting an, an extra three here and there, or two every game. That translates fully to wins, and that's where you're seeing the loss of Matt McQuaid and Kenny Goins because their averages were better. Um, in that context. Okay. Um, Virginia Tech, they had it within two or three. At the end of the- it, was a, it was a struggle shooting that entire And game. whole game. And they hit their threes. They shot over 40% from three. You know, we have an incremental one or two extra baskets. Cassius carries us home. We grind out a win. Duke, doesn't matter what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, this is – it's really easy in – I know everyone gets it, but the three-point percentage can make all the difference. Even 5% difference, which is what we have having Gabe in the starting lineup versus uh, Rocket. So let's continue. Um, uh, Oh, you know what? We've pretty much talked about all of these except for two of these. Okay, so... Last season, it's maybe not the best comparison, but the starters were playing 46% of the, like, lineups minutes, if you will. You know, the percentage most frequent lineup was 46%. And our most frequent lineup now is 16.9% in the last five games, which I think is becoming a little more consistent you know it's the beginning of the season was so wild you know they're playing every single player on the bench um i you know this is an opinion but i think it's probably a good one teams don't win national championships playing like 12 guys or 10 guys maybe even uh i could certainly probably be wrong but they're Subbing and their lineups are just way too loose right now, right? Yep. Well, this is what Izzo does early in the year. He tweaks with the lineups, tries to figure out what works best, and I'm just I'm not surprised that he, that you have such a you don't have a huge variation between all these lineups here. The usage it doesn't really surprise me, especially this early because this is just what he does. You're 100 percent right, and he he always does it, and we always react to it. It's funny, and then it's like we forgot. And I think it's – I think that um, 
it's a certainty. He's going to tighten it up. And this is the time that it happens. Um, who's going to rise to the top? You know, the cream of the crop. That wasn't supposed to rhyme. <laughs> um, seriously, though, let's just for fun, we can sit here and pause it. Come February, let's assume there's no injuries. Aaron Cassius and X are a lock. Yep. Who are the other two? I, I like the game. Gabe Brown and Malik Hall five with those three. Real quick, tell us why. I I think Gabe is just shooting great. Uh, I mean, he's not shooting. I, I think he could shoot better, but he's shooting. He's definitely the best uh, role player that's shooting-wise on the team right now. I, Rocket's just struggling. I mean, I think he's going to figure it out at some point this year, but right now he's just, he's just not what we thought he would be. And I like Willie Call because I think he's a guy who, like Aaron Henry, can draw contact at the rim and get to the line. Uh, he's solid defensively, and Izzo tends to play those guys that play defense. He's he's been, I mean, he he, he he's only had that one game where he scored a lot, but he's a guy who can make he isn't make been an shooting a lot. Yeah, he's a, he isn't. Yeah, he isn't kind of a good finisher. I yeah. Um, you know, we just need to see more to have a better idea. A um, couple things we can wrap this up. Michigan State basketball, benchmarks, defense, rebound. You know, we're one number one in Ken Palman, adjusted offense, number 22 in defense. I trust the staff to, you know, ring them in, especially when you're playing less guys. Defense is going to shore up. If anything, the offense is going to be less than the best in the country. Um, but bringing Gabe Brown in, he's so long. He was an aggressive rebounder. And it's kind of a big look, having, especially when Marcus is out there. I mean, they look like a bunch of freaks. And then you have Cassius amongst the trees. Um, Malik Hall, just so stout. I don't, you know, such an Izzo player. Yeah, absolutely. It's like all there is to it, you know. You look at Marcus, you look at Malik. One's one's a, an Izzo player, like on the outside. The other one's a everyone's player once he gets it figured out. Um, you know, in the rebounding, has always been important with the wings. Gabe Brown comes in. Great rebounder, attacking the rim. Malik Hall, we've talked about his rebounding numbers. They've been great. Um, so I guess we're just going to have to see about, you know, who really takes over. But come the end of the season, if Josh Lankford doesn't play, you know, assuming Michigan State makes the tournament, <laughs> knock on wood, <laughs> um, I would imagine Gabe Brown is in the starting lineup for Michigan State basketball in March. So we've been surprised before. Um, another last thing, and we can wrap this up. Um, sort of narrative time. This is just the fun stuff. Last year, injuries sort of opened the door, right? Um, little did we know that Xavier Tillman was going to be the far more efficient option starting at the five than the court. And it would have probably never happened if it weren't for injury, right? Rocket Watts, for whatever reason, kept starting. And I think that him getting injured is going to let him take a step back, let Gabe take his rightful Spot, I think. He has the experience and just everything else. And um, I think that they are kind of going to get this ship righted. Um, but, again, we're going to have to wait to see to the next, 
you know, the new year. And that's a lot of basketball in between now and then. So until next week, I guess. We'll be back next, one, next Monday recording. All right, go green.